0: Welcome to Episode 7 of Keep the Hotel Empty. I'm your host, Eric Paul. In studio today, we are grateful to welcome in the inventor of the world's finest children's microscope, the Magiscope, as well as true Renaissance man, Mr. Dennis Brock. In today's episode, Dennis discusses the development and the ideas behind the Magiscope, as well as many interesting topics he's learned about through his incredible life journey. Please enjoy. Welcome to Keep the Hotel Empty. Today we've kept the hotel empty for Renaissance Man, inventor of the world's best children's microscope, Dennis Brock. Welcome, Dennis. Hi. How you doing? I today? am
1: glad to be here and glad to see you.
0: Awesome. I'm very happy to meet you. I know you have quite a tangled story with all kinds of interesting turns. I'm wondering if we can take a start back where you start to find yourself getting into books and empowering yourself with knowledge and skill from the free library in Philly.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I say to people, in my own defense, as weak as it is, that they called it the free library, and I took that literally. But my my main impetus was to learn everything I could learn, and I had in my basement, other than a 16 foot row house in Philadelphia with one tree on the block, and the basement was the only way to get away from anything, and that's wasn 't the best and in the basement, I had a box full of books that I had borrowed from the free Library and never returned and that was b c before computers <laughs> <laughs> and there was only one one time that it ever became a factor, and I wanted that knowledge those books meant something to me, and I only took books that i that I would cherish, and I found myself playing books uh, getting books that were not fiction they were nonfiction they were everything about science about everything from wildcrafting to 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 armaments and 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 what did our jets how fast did our jets go and everything from military to botanical and gardening and and I just couldn't get enough books and and one guy came to the door one time and I remember and identified himself as coming from the library. <laughs> The Free Library, <laughs> started by Ben Franklin, who I really had the highest opinion of. I love Ben. Wow, that's awesome. You know, Ben, when Ben never spent a day in school, and they gave honorary degrees. I'm waiting for mine to show up. Okay, and and he said it was. He basically thought it was hilarious the whole thing. So I had my own collection of books, and I amassed a, a large, uh, an array of different no, uh, specialties that I was uh, into. And I, and I in fact I I saw something in the sky when I was twelve years old and uh, which was a UFO and I was sure it was a UFO because I had read everything about the jets we had I knew their altitude they could go to I knew what weapons they had systems their speed everything this thing did not behave like one of ours but. Having those books gave me that, and, and all my life I've collected books. I have hundreds. I don't even know how many books I have, but books were my my key. And when I was very young, I read the entire Tarzan series. <clears throat> Excuse me. Edgar Rice Burroughs wrote twenty-three books on Tar. It wasn't just Tarzan and the Apes. It went on and on and on. Tarzan and the Jewels of Opar was a real, you know, fascinating book when you're a, a young a young kid. Wow, you know that? Yeah, and but and I and I began to speak like a proper English gentleman after a while because these books were written in you know in the ni- late nineteenth century. So so I found myself able to speak like that, and 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 then. Watching the movies, Johnny Weissmuller was was a Neanderthal compared to the to the Tarzan in the in the books. Edgar Race's Burroughs' tar, idea of Tarzan he was a genius. Tarzan could speak twenty nine languages, including orangutan, you know, and the language of the great apes. Anyway, I'm, I'm,
0: so I, having I, a broad skill set was reflected in more than one way. It it
1: started that way. It started that way, and it never stopped. And I and I think part of the advantages of being kicked out of high school. Was I didn't I was never indoctrinated, and and the advantage of having disadvantages became uh, quite interesting. So quite a factor.
0: Tell me about that. How does it lead up? What is life like when you're getting ready to to leave high school, unbeknownst to you, and then those first couple of years out of high school? What skills and and how do you navigate that road? And pretty young then, right?
1: Well, actually, if I could have left earlier, I would have left earlier but that's because my home life was abysmal and, and but it's when you don't have any money it's really hard to amass skills it's right. very difficult right and reading helped me turn me on to things reading i read a book called how to play the five string banjo and uh, bought a banjo for fifty bucks at Sam Goody Music in Philadelphia, and uh, taught myself how to plug from a book. And then I taught myself how to repair furniture from a book. And and it's because what did I have? I, my father had lost his father when he was seven years old, and didn't really know how to raise a kid. I mean, there's a lot of story there. My father was the victim, <coughs> excuse me, of a pogrom. It's a word most people are not familiar with. P O G R O M, as in Mary. A pogrom, if I said to you, Rosewood, if I said to you, Wounded Knee, and then I would say to you another word you've never, well, maybe you have Bialystok Poland. Yeah. What you have is hatred in all its primitive form against blacks, against American Indian, Native Americans, against Jews. My father was driven. Out of Poland by a program where they were on regular basis, they would just come out and take everything and just do whatever they want. See, when a country has rules that transcend the person, then transcends the leader. Jews know about this. They, there, they went, they had relative freedom in the in the Muslim world during the time when they were being persecuted in the Middle Ages. They had relative freedom, but depending on who was in charge at the time. So anyhow, I digress. I could have read the world book if I could have afforded it. Right. Every page, and when I had a chance to get National Geographic, I read every page. And lately, I've read dozens of books on everything, mostly on reincarnation, on kids who remember past lives. But in the meantime, I have to make microscopes, and I'm seeing something happening that I really wanted to talk about. Okay. Mm-hmm. When I have a bunch of kids in front of me, I am astounded by how little they know. Yes. okay And, and it isn't just one-dimensional. they don't know anything about anything. And I, I can't blame it on all on artificial intelligence and the advent of the computer, although I think you can put quite a bit of that on. Man is only really, really excels when he's challenged. If you hand him everything, it, he's a loser.
0: So what do you think the biggest, and, and, and I think that there's huge validity in that. And this is part of the reason why I wanted to ask about the books, because the idea of learning a skill – from a printed page at this point yeah. seems ridiculous <laughs> because we can just watch somebody do it and it gets handed to you with so much little work <laughs> in between.
1: Uh, so the, the uh, work is, is part of the process, yeah, as what, you know. The pain. Right. Um, really creative people, uh, uh, when they're younger, they spend a lot of time pretending to be normal. Okay, they play normal. I had to play normal. I had a really high IQ. I would never tell anybody that. They get pissed off right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> I was called a genius a million times, but the minute I tell somebody that, it's it's all over. All right. Normal never changed anything. And think and and my 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 partner and who is my salvation over there, because I'd be long gone if it weren't for her. She's fond of saying to people that I don't even know where the box is, as far as thinking outside the box. And what we need to do is understand we are, whatever we're doing, it's wrong. It's not working. We haven't even let these, I used to expose my kids to old black and white movies. Okay? This is a scene in Casablanca where he throws a bottle of Vichy water into the trash can. Mm-hmm. What, is, what does that mean? Why did they throw a bottle of Vichy water into the trash? you had to know history. They don't know any history. They don't know any culture. You know they—they they don't know anything, and, and I'm I'm in, in an age where the information is just picked up and dialed. How is it that they don't know anything?
0: Do you think it's because the rearview mirror is so short now? Nobody has that sense of history beyond their lifetime. Everything—it almost seems like everybody thinks the entirety of humanity has happened in their own lifetime.
1: <laughs> Subjective reasoning. Yeah. Subjective reasoning to a fault. Well, that is a, in itself a form of narcissism, and it's very—you know—when you're younger, everybody's a narcissist. It's a, it's a question of getting outside of yourself, growing up, transcending, learning that there's something out there besides yourself. I read a lot of books. Uh, two of them were by Eric Fromm. He wrote *The Art of Loving*. He also wrote uh, *The Mind of Man* and *The Heart of Man*. The Art of Loving and the Heart of Man. They're opposites. The Art of Loving talks about, uh, right off the bat, he talks about the love of life versus the love of death. And he refers to it, he puts it in, in Latin terms, negrophilia versus biophilia. And what he's talking about, and I see this, there's a station I can go to on TV anytime I want to see the love of death. And they will show me every catastrophe they can, and they revel in it. Right. And we sense that. The ones of us who are are really, I'd like to say, half-decent human beings, we sense that they're enjoying this. And that is what Fromm is referring to when he calls it negrophilia, necrophilia, which some people translate into eating dead bodies, but it's it's a matter of how you interpret the word. Right. And in in, in his books, he talks about love as being the only acceptable answer to the problems of existence. And, And it's true. and. If I would have had, and I've had many kids in front of me, ask me how I did it. I could have done it by myself. I had to have some kind of divine help, and I'm not going to say anything about that from there on because I don't believe what they all believe. I don't. I separate faith. I mean, I have faith, but I don't have organized religion. Okay, because I frankly see organized religion as just another business. Yeah. As I do um, modern medicine, uh, insurance. I mean, I could go on and on. What education has become? Okay, now you're getting into it, okay? I have a song that I have. If I ever come back, I'll play it for it. Even the title will get a reaction. Now, I should have been a scientist, I could have been anything I wanted to be. Clearly. I'm a natural born musician. I hear the song and the key it's being played. I I finger pick with all five fingers because I have five and because I'm self-educated. And being self-educated, there's no limit to it. So what I would say to them, in, in, in a broad sense, learn everything you can. Gather every skill. To know, to know nothing is to love nothing, Paracelsus once said. He was an alchemist. And, you, and that's another thing. I mean, we have allowed ourselves. If I always think of things in terms of two aliens walking to a bar, okay? Nobody knows they're aliens, okay? Yeah. And one says to them, why aren't these people further ahead? He <laughs> said, so, "Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. First of all, and it wasn't us who did this, mind you. But somewhere in the past, we took the most oversexed animal on the planet, and we gave him extra intelligence. Okay, and we taught him how to make weapons. Oh, that was the first problem. Okay? Or we wandered
0: out and found the mushrooms.
1: <laughs> Until they found the mushrooms, right?" There are certain original sins we deal with in this culture. One of them is misogyny. It's the first original sin, and and then people pretending to be gods—that's a real problem. You know, I like to think that there's God in every one of us, and there's evil in every one of us. And it's up to us to decide which to use. And when I was younger, and only when I was in my sixties, I finally realized not everybody wanted to change the world. I yeah. couldn't get over that. Are you serious? What are you here for, man? Right. Well, you just pay the, for the ride? Right. Are you here to get drunk and have a good time? And you think that's going to make you have purpose? And I know from my readings that without purpose, we're, we're nothing. We have to have purpose. There has to be a reason to get up in that morning. There has to be something we're trying to do, something greater than ourselves. And that's where it spins off into organized religion, and it doesn't need to do that.
0: Right. You yeah know, and there is definitely some st- people there where I guess they'd have the opinion where you couldn't have any connection to the greater good without having some connection to divinity, but those aren't those aren't mutually exclusive things.
1: It's a assortment of golden tickets. That's what it is. Um, I've had to get in my head what made people think they could go around the world with a gun and a and a flag and take whatever they wanted. That's one of the original sins, too. But that derives directly from organized religion.
0: Well, now we do imperialism on the down (laughs) low. It's a lot sneakier. Yeah.
1: So what I would say to people, thinking outside of the box should be natural to you. Not everybody's going to change the world. I mean... But if you want to change the world, you have to start with yourself and not use any excuses from your past or whatever you went through and, and say, no, that's, that's, and when you bring it up to people, I tell people I went through hell as a kid they, and they feel sorry. I said, no, you're not getting this. You're not getting what I'm telling you. And I often have to say to people, what did you hear me say to you? And I had to say that to them. And I, and I know that from experience, That background gave me the drive the resiliency that's so important and you know getting back up again it's about getting back up again and it's about realizing that we're all going to have certain things we're going to have to deal with you know <laughs> we just and let's see what we can make out of it you know
0: so when you're when you're 16 and you're going out and using some of the skills, the woodworking skills, and how much of this mentality are you already comfortable with and just doing? Or how much at that point are you still learning to lick the fear or the crisis of faith?
1: It's a constant doubting of yourself. And in that, if that is remains stagnant by itself, then it's not productive. But if you use that to say, well, This is what I need to work on, or that's what I need to work on. I mean, you have to judge yourself at some point. At some point, the kid has to turn into a man, has to transcend being a child and blaming others, and has to take it, all right, that's it. This is what I'm working with. This is what I got.
0: So that was immediately part of the fiber when you broke out on your own?
1: Well, it had—my mother was mentally ill, so before I was able to break out on my own, I had to literally save her life. And she took an overdose of sleeping pills one time when I was 14 years old. I remember the irony of not being allowed in to see her because I was underage. (laughs) I saved her life, okay? And so I never felt like I could leave her because... And she did this partially herself. There is such a thing as a covert malignant narcissist who manipulates you, and mothers can do that. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was her protector, that I had to be there for her. And so I didn't leave what I should have left, and and... because of what I'd been through my whole life I was I didn't realize that I, my I'd been left alone in a house when I was 4 years old in a house with n- nothing going on Just stuck there until somebody showed up and then one day m- my older sister who was in sc- first grade managed to tell the teacher who told the police and they came and got me out of the house and took me to see my mother who was in jail That's the kind of thing. Either it will destroy you or it will make you something special. Okay? That you know. And when you talk to people and you can sense them, you have this ability to sense their emotion. I'm an empath. I have, you know, it's been very clear a long time that I'm an empath. And I think if I didn't have a higher calling, I never would have made this microscope. Because I made my uh, I did everything opposite of conventional wisdom now that's because I was self-educated sure but it was also my personality. I was told make it till it'll break. I was told make it in China all these things and I'm thinking I'm gonna make something that lasts for a hundred years. So the first the solution to the, uh, to, the, to the mendacity, is is to be sure of yourself that's, but without those skills you can't do that so you've got to spend those first years gathering skills that that give you purpose
0: because when you started with the microscopes you didn't have background with them
1: I did I had microscope repair
0: background. oh you know so that's what I'm no, you're right you're, you're right when you very first started. very
1: first started I was a completely mad. Crazy person who had come over in the nineteen fifty six communist revolution, uh, the Hungarian revolution, and he didn't want to pay anybody anything, and he wanted he put an ad in the paper that he will train you to be a re- microscope repairman. He got like twelve people who came. I guess I lied better than anyone else. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I didn't, I always try, I hate lying. It doesn't stick well with me. So, so I said, I've been to Temple. I went to Temple. And I went to Temple to repair microscopes. No, I didn't go to Temple. I just lied. I said that, that later on in life. I told people I went to Temple, but actually I went there to repair microscopes. <laughs> so I passed my way to the job. Uh, one of the salesmen there really took a liking to me, and he took me under his wing and we went out, and I found myself with the most expensive, sophisticated microscopes on the planet.
0: Which were all foreign microscopes, yeah?
1: West German. Carl Zeiss, West Germany. Back then, there was no East Germany. I mean, there wasn't, at there was no United Germany. So West Germany is where all the good optical people went, and East Germany is where the machinists got stuck good people went west. People who know the history of this thing know at the, the end of the Second World War, the best people ran to the American side and the British side. And, and so I worked with the top name. of the, These microscopes were $35,000 for one microscope. And that's 1970.
0: Holy smokes.
1: You know, and no, it was in the mid-60s. God, I don't even remember anymore. Anyhow, um, here I am, find myself with the most expensive microscopes on the planet. I've got to fix it. And if I didn't have some kind of help up there, the more I read, the more I get this feeling that that we have these spirit guides who kind of whisper in our ears and tell And we mistake them for angels, but it doesn't matter really what we mistake them for. Nomenclature. As long as we're tuned to that channel. (laughs) Right. And some of us are not. And the older you get, the more you're able to tune to that channel. But the microscope. and let me tell you what's what's going on right now, okay this is very very pertinent why I'm here gotcha we're we're falling behind rapidly we're going down the a giant rabbit hole, so to speak black hole. When I turn on the t v now I see microscopes. I never saw microscopes before. I see them on ads everywhere, and some of them are, I can tell exactly what they are because I know everything about these things. They're right. from 1966, some of these microscopes. And I am now competing with only Chinese microscopes. Now, Chinese microscopes, what's, they are capable of producing something higher quality, but they know that we'll buy junk. Right. They know we will throw it away. They know we will have no concern for where it's going when it's thrown away. They know we don't think that far. They know we think in terms of weeks and they think in terms of years. They're selling us stuff but within weeks. It winds up. Go to shopgoodwill.com. Anytime. Go to shopgoodwill.com and look up my first lab. You don't even have to get the microscope. My first lab. That's another thing I hate is that pandering. <laughs> yeah. you know, my first lab. You're going to see what I have in that bag. Go, here, show that to them. Oh, this. This is what you're going to see. Right, right. Over and over and over again. Yeah, exactly. Now, there are seven things that unscrew on this thing. There are seven things that come apart on this thing. And many times, and right now, you can see about at least a half a dozen of these on Shop Goodwill. You won't see any Brock microscopes. Once in a while, you see a Brock scope come on there. Now, I've been doing this. since 1987. There are about 160,000 Brock scopes out there, and you don't see them on Shop Goodwill. You see them on eBay being sold as vintage Brock. Majiscopes. There you go. And they're getting good prices. And that's where th- that tells you something. When these show up on shopgoodwill.com, they rarely get one bid. They're starting at $9.99, and they can't get a bid. And they tried to take—I taught them how to make a child's microscope, and they still didn't get the message. They never had two lights here before, light up below, light above. I right. taught them— that this microscope here doesn't need that. Take a look. Oh, this is even better. Give there. I want you to try to use either eye, which is your strong eye. My right eye. Oh, yeah. That is perfect. That is perfect. It looks great. We sold several of these to, to St. Augustine. They have a school there, a private school. It's the St. Augustine School for the Deaf and Blind. They bought an entire set from us because most people who are visually impaired still have a little sight. They're they're not totally blind, as most people think they are, which is the category I fall into. Well, you you saw something there. Absolutely. Now, if you increase the light, you would see more. But you notice there's no batteries, there's no core. This is an attempt. Everything about the Chinese stuff is look, look at this. It's shiny, it's new. It's it's like are you fishing? Is right. that what you guys are doing? Look at the little pretty beads. Uh, so this seven things works. unscrew from this. Seven things. And this one, when this unscrews, you can't get it back on again unless you're really good at it.
0: So that means that y- unscrews you know why? and it's broken.
1: Well, you can see these in shop goodwill. You can you can see these literally with this not connected anymore. And they're brand new and it's sitting in the box next to it. And so you have to, you have to, why is that thing sitting in the box? Next? Because they can't get it back on again. These are plastic threads. Uh, I'm reluctant to take this off.
0: Right. Oh. Feel this feels like the inside of, like, a toilet paper roll. Yeah,
1: that's exactly <laughs> right. That might be made better. <laughs> that's made to last longer. Now, I have a deft touch of a musician, so I can find that thread, but most people can't. Right. That unscrews. That unscrews. That unscrews. These unscrew. This unscrews.
0: So as you're repairing these or seeing these designs, it's obvious that these faults don't need to be fixed. They need to be gotten rid of.
1: When I started, they didn't make them this cheaply. They have gotten really good at doing things cheaply. And I talk about that in one of my songs. And um, there's a switch in here. By the way, it's too bright when it goes to the bottom. It's too, be- it's too bright because it's... Let me show you. It's too bright for a child because LEDs are little tiny things. You don't want a little tiny thing in a microscope. You want a wide thing. Right. And it's so it's absolutely wrong to begin with. I don't know if you can see this. Do you see that spot? That spot of light on the page? Yeah. There, now you yep. see it. Yep, Okay, that tells you don't give that a to a child. a little tiny spot. Yeah, but it's too bright.
0: Yeah, but it's beamed, obviously. Do you want to look in there? Yeah. yeah there you Oh, good. No, <laughs> okay. no thank
1: you. They give that to a child. Now, what else it can't do? Anything. Give me a specimen, a real-life specimen, something on a ball of clay. Here, let's take Alfred over here. Now, if I put him on here, you've got a snowball chance of hell of seeing him because anything higher than this, you can't put under there. The entire world of three-dimensional objects is now limited to you. I can put, I cannot see this under here unless he's down in that hole and he's just right. Then maybe I can see it. Meanwhile, you lost the child's interest. These kids have no attention span. None. You've got to get them so fast. You've got to get their attention
0: so fast. So not only Put the— Put that me- under that light. You'll get better light. Not only the—oh, yeah, I can see that plain as day. So not only the mechanical benefit of it, the longevity of it, but also that it makes the opaque objects and the things that anybody can get their mealy grubs on visible. Right. Now, here's what they're doing wrong. They're, they
1: don't teach microscopy to kids. First of all, there's nothing more important than a microscope when you're teaching life science. There is nothing even close. Nothing.
0: And what makes you feel that way?
1: Well, Because everything, every, every observation you make, there's a microscope that you can use to, and make it better. You have entomology, you have ornamental horticulture, you've got gardening, you've got geography, mineralogy. Every, you want to do forensic science? Microscope. You want to see what's getting to your bugs? Microscope. You want to see what a fake Morgan silver dollar looks like? Which is on my on my uh, (laughs) microscope. And now that microscope, looking at the fake silver dollar, this light down here is not going to help you.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: And you don't want to think about it. The core, the essence, the nut of all this. Teachers don't have time to teach microscopy. They don't have the equipment. They start too late. And not only that, half of them are gym teachers who got talked into the job. Okay? And,
0: and this. I literally know one of those. You know what I'm talking about? I literally know a coach. Wait, that's that a science co- teacher.
1: That goes into my. Oh, staring at the abyss. I wonder what, what that means. Things that piss me off, okay? <laughs> Excellent list. <laughs> Things that piss me off by Dennis Brock. <laughs> it's good enough for beginners. What? What does that even mean? When you see these things being sold, and you go to the reviews, which are fiction, except for the last line, which is, I'm really pissed off at this thing. One-star reviews, I'm pissed off. Those are the real reviews. Right. The rest of them have some kind of program, some kind of, there's something going on there.
0: Oh, yeah, there's tons of that.
1: And they'll tell you two things. They'll tell you, well, it's good enough for beginners. No, if you can't use it, how can it, that guitar in the other room, a half size? Yeah. Yeah. Masterpiece made in Japan, Rosewood. That's what you give kids to start them off with. You give them something scaled to their needs, scaled to their abilities, scaled to their interests, and that doesn't break and they don't need supervision with. Now, microscopes in the past had to be used with the kids had their arms tied behind their back when they were looking through them half the time. And in every high school in the land, there is a microscope graveyard where all these wonderful promises that preside. And then they go in the dumpsters and, and school systems is set up to waste, to waste. They get a new budget every two years. And so they get a new, a new set of microscopes. And they get, well, does this take, oh, my God, it takes batteries. i got to have three times 18. Oh, my God, 54. Mic-. So they're getting, every two years they're getting new microscopes. They don't know how to use them. They don't work right. They break quickly, and then two years later they get more. And meanwhile, these kids have lost that time.
0: And the experience for them is no good. It's bad news for everybody.
1: Teachers hate microscopes. They hate them because they don't work, and they don't work more and more. Each year they get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Each year This they want you to believe that for 69 or $89 you can get a microscope with all these extra lenses, and they want you to believe that. They make fools of us, but we make fools of ourselves. You have to have a whole new paradigm that says, I'm going to buy this thing, rather it's a microscope or it's a... Uh, Typewriter or it's a sewing machine, because they're infamous, They will last for 100 years. I want something that will last for 100 years. Buy it once is what I'm trying to promote. Buy it once. And, and then that teacher sees the same microscope each year. Those kids, you know, maybe they had science two years in a row. Above about, uh, overarching above all of this is the need to start kids with microscopes when they are first in school, or when they're younger than that. Don't the whole concept of waiting until they're twelve years old is, is inherently flawed. It cannot work. It's ridiculous. You're going way past the age of wow. Right. Okay? Right. And I show this to kids and I put that wasp under there, ninety nine percent of them to the right age. Wow. You know, you get something out of them. Wow that's priceless
0: you get the visceral response of curiosity every
1: time I show this microscope I get that response no matter what age no matter what situation is I get that response and if I don't I say go somewhere else (laughs) you're not into this no but the age of impression the age when it really hits them to me I started showing our kids this when they were three and a half years old I would think by uh, fourth grade for sure and if you really wanted to be smart, you would integrate these educa- this education. You would integrate their thinking, integrate their knowledge, integrate their search. Let's do plants. Let's take a lima bean. Let's take a, a, a wheat a, a, a wheat kernel like we do. I make my own wheatgrass. Mm-hmm. Within two days, it's, it, it's, it's sprouting. Put it under a microscope. You see what the rhizome looks like, how intricate it is. It's like branches of a tree. And then you'll see the, another thing come out the other end, and it's turning green. The other end is turning green. My God, if you cannot integrate art and science, then you shouldn't be teaching it.
0: So when you say And music. <laughs> so when you said earlier, you know, that it's not just the advent of the computer and things that took us off the ball, you think some of it is we're just now grossly neglecting the age of curiosity until yes, the too age much of distraction Wonderman. has yes. broken its way in.
1: Oh uh, you can't teach it to them when they're twelve years old. Especially, don't even think of doing it when they have puberty. Even though they should have more of an interest at that point. It, what I find, did you see the movie The Fablemans? I can't say that. Okay, what's about, uh, what's that famous director? Steven Spielberg as a young man. What turned him on to making movies is he saw a freight train that was a model getting totaled in a movie. And it was done so well that it blew him away. And on the way home from the movie, this, you see this seven-year-old kid, his eyes are wide, and he's thinking about that scene where the, 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 the locomotive just collides with another locomotive, and it's all fake, and he just can't get over it. And that was the genesis of Steven Spielberg. I'm saying get to them. When the genesis is there, when that germ is there, when that age of inspiration is occurring, get to them then. And you can't now because you're gonna give them this. And you're gonna say it's good enough for beginners. Right. Okay?
0: That's a flawed ethos.
1: You, you gotta slap people like that. This what do you mean good enough? When is it good enough? You know
0: what does that mean? <laughs> yeah.
1: The whole concept is flawed.
0: So when how does this hit you when you're going from getting to work on these you know, perfectly engineered uh, European microscopes to when you're saying to yourself, you know what? I have to make. Uh, I got to refine this mouse trap.
1: The whole time I was married to the wrong person, and the way I look at it, you're always as good as your, your your worst wife. You know, I mean, <laughs> and definitely the wrong person. I kept saying, here, they're giving children junk. They're ruining them. They're going to turn into accountants or something."
0: You
1: know, <laughs> no offense to the no, accountants. No, I know.
0: <laughs> I understand that,
1: And she didn't it. hear me. And we you go past Tasco in Miami, on you know, 95, you go past Tasco, which made the only cheap, cheesy microscope for kids back then. They were making a small fortune selling crap. They would give them 87 accessories, but the microscope didn't work. That's so like they, the
0: plastic one with the mirror routine.
1: Yes, okay. yes. And they sold them and sold them and sold them. There was no alternative. And I'm ranting and raving. I'm working on research microscopes. And, and here I am thinking about the opposite end of the spectrum, which, by the way, didn't go over well. You know, the other sales, and well, you're making kids Microsoft. Hey, you know what? Guess who gets the last laugh on that one? None of them are employed anymore. So that was a struggle. And in spite of the fact that I was married to the wrong person, I managed to create one and put it in the Orlando Science Center. It was my first model to try it out.
0: And this was the fifty.
1: Yeah. Well, no, before the 50 was a weird one that was shaped like an actual microscope. It had two moving parts.
0: Actual microscope, you mean like It had an arm like that, right. It had a see.
1: curved arm and a, and a horseshoe horseshoe base, classic horseshoe base. But it had two two moving parts, <clears throat> and I could make it with one moving part, which is what this has. But the first time I handed this to the um, exhibit's builder in the Orlando Science Center, he grabbed it right by the tube, and he pulled it right out of there and handed it back to me both pieces <laughs> you know here's the tube here's the rest of the microscope and come back when it doesn't do that is what he said to me oh, <laughs> so I had to and I did and they put it there and it worked fine and I even had those specimen holder. the specimen holders in microscopes uh, in museums are dreadful they're usually in a half inch of block of lucite and they're horrible and more plastic go through, more it ruins the image. So I had this little thing I invented that was a quarter-inch diameter. I called it, you can run, but you can't hide. Uh-huh. And I had a protective with cover glass and then embedded in plastics so that the kids couldn't go in there and take their pen and go, Bleh. So I tried it out. worked, worked wonders. So— I reinvented it. I got my first design was two moving parts. I made one moving part, and it did not have this rod on the bottom. It was without that. So the Model 50 that I won the Parents' Choice Award for looks simpler than this. It looks like it won't do a thing. And that's
0: the beauty of it. I was going to say, and that's the, that's, that's the beauty of that's it. That's how you know hey, you you it, You wouldn't scare
1: right? kids. You give this to the teachers, oh, I'm not touching that. There's things. Yeah, right. But this, without that, when the Parents' Choice Award, the same year Sherry Lewis won it, in the very, very beginning, 1987, 88, and my first day I was to Orlando Science, uh, the Orlando School District, every elementary school in Orlando got two of these. They're all gone now because this microscope is heavily lifted it is the most uh, absconded
0: microscope on the planet. I'm sure it has that vintage well, look. By, you, Jennifer you know will tell you not, a story. Uh, no. you, you can tell it wasn't built to be thrown away.
1: Well, what happens is they take them with. The teachers take them. They uh, five-figure discount them and because they, they figure they deserve it. And we're okay with that, but we're, not, <laughs> <laughs> we're speaking for them. Someone got to buy another one. And, but she has stories about that because uh, Jennifer handles all that. So here's something you could use on here. How are you going to use this? First of all, you can't. Maybe you could use it here, but you could never use it there because it's high up in the air, anything higher than a half inch. Right. Now, I, you cannot. You know what it is with kids? You can start up young and be fast as hell. If you can't get that specimen on there and get it working in, in three seconds three you're seconds, out. You're, they're out the door. Mentally, they're out the door. You would have not physically. <laughs> now, if you let the light cast on there. Yes. Now, move it this way. Everything was opposite in a real microscope. Oh, yeah. oh, now, I built this the last 100 really years cool. plus, And you can go online right now to um, eBay, awesome. find Model 50s. And, and you're going to pay three or four times more for that old Model 50, tarnished as hell and looking old and beat up and used, used, than you will for this.
0: And But the Model 50 you already had down to one moving part? Yeah. How important was it to you to eliminate the mechanical parts for its longevity, I imagine?
1: It was, absolutely, it was imperative that I have that in mind, that the simplest answer is the best. One moving part has to be twice as good as two. And I remember from years and years of working on those things that whatever they used to keep this from falling back would eventually give out, or they'd get so stiff you can't move them. Everything nowadays is made with industrial minimalism, as cheaply as possible is another way of putting it. Mm -hmm. The switches they use in these things, if you saw them, what actually transfers the electricity from one thing to another, and you saw how puny it was, that you need a microscope to actually see the mechanism that is moving when I do this. Right and you realize you take one look at it if you could,
0: if you had x-ray how vision how long could it possibly last
1: you look at this oh this is a joke toasters great example I, was, <laughs> I bought a few toasters I love old toasters they're fantastic and I wanted to find out why the new toasters were failing and I figured out all the metal they're using that how hard is this all the metal that they're using going back and forth is low grade they know it's going to go a certain amount of uses and no longer working and they know that going in and we enable them by fouling up our, our, our land with these toasters. Where does the toaster go? And we need literally to literally and figuratively. Yes. And we need to teach people there's no over there. There's no or, or there's no throwing it out. Where's the out? Where is the out? you going to go to Mars and <laughs> right. drop it off at the moon? Let's shoot it up into space.
0: We That's can, what I always say to people. What do you think? We're going to fire our garbage into space? Send or it
1: with it Elon somewhere? Musk. <laughs> go up there. Elon Musk could be our Here, greatest garbage Here, take the trash. Man. Elon, take the trash out. You never did that when you were younger.
0: Yeah, right. Anyhow. <laughs>
1: Hit me by the question. So so
0: you've so you've managed to build something that was meant to have some longevity. You, yes. And you but the fifty yes. is not still the fifty was the original. This is a,
1: there was a sixty that only lasted a couple of years where I had put the rod in.
0: Tell me about this. This is no, very cool. It, this is cool
1: because the only thing it couldn't do before is what we in microscopes call transmitted light. You know, we have to always terms for everything.
0: What they got the switch for.
1: Right. Light through the bottom is transmitted light. Only useful for things that are translucent or transparent, such as amber. I knew people who would look for bugs in amber would pay you for it, and they had to use a combination of light from above and light from below, which is exactly what this gives you. Right. You see, technically, this gives you ambient reflected from above and transmitted from below upon demand without thought and without adjustment. It's flawless. And I taught them how to do this, and they still couldn't do it. Making this clamp is extremely hard to do. This is made by hand. I make every one of these. And just doing this piece, I showed this to machine, and he said, oh, man, I don't know how to make that. <laughs> and machine is thinking, they're not creative people. They don't create a machine. Right. All right, uh, back to different, my original different point. End of the thing back to my original point. You want to have every skill in every way. You want to be... Cross the board, renaissance. That's what we're talking about. Real, right. A renaissance man is not somebody who plays golf and baseball, okay? That is not a renaissance man, okay? We, or someone who plays offense and defense, let's put it that way. Right. So you want something that you can use quickly. Oh, so what do we do? We got these schools. Some of them are forward thinking, like the Orlando School District had me put two in every elementary school. But they didn't use them until they were in fifth and sixth grade. Okay, the real way to do this, if you want to help that school, if you got a target school you want to help for whatever reason it is, we will donate donate some microscopes to them. We have this thing where we started called, my Jennifer was kind enough to, to put her heart and soul into it called Project Magiscope, where we want to make a difference. There is not one thing you could give that school that would raise their science aptitude, that would lower their science ignorance better than a Magiscope. There is not one thing you could give them that could actually bring those scores up within a year.
0: And that's a time-tested objective thing.
1: Yes. Oh, they're everywhere. All you have to do is tap into what other people say about them. We don't have... Keep in mind, we're not on Amazon. If you go on Amazon and say ten best children's microscopes, we're not there. No, we're not there. This thing's there. Right. That's there, and everyone like it's there, and they're all the same. I don't care how much they change the paint, they change a the little cute name on it, they put a little stripe on it. What are we children? <laughs> they're all the same. Minds different. Give them a class set. We give you a nice little frameable dip, uh, diploma-like thing, um, a certificate saying that you have donated these microscopes to them. Make it a memorial. We've already had one person do that. And her mother's name, her mother died of Alzheimer's. I brought a, guitar, I brought a typewriter into her mother when she could no longer communicate with people. manual typewriter. And she was able to communicate through the typewriter. And I was singing old songs for them at the same time. I walk around. uh, Sarasota typewriter, man. I'm on there. I'm playing. I'll be seeing you. And all the old family walking down. They're typing. And this is great stuff. That's amazing. Yeah, I try to do what I can. You you have to have purpose, and you have to. To to whom much is given, much is expected. Okay? Heard. So that's, in, in a nutshell, Project Magiscope, We'll put scopes into people's rooms. They will know where it came from. I think it's a fitting memorial because it will not wear out. It will continue class after class, a whole new set of kids, a whole new set of kids. Can you imagine that?
0: So Yeah, exactly, because the only bits of this that you ever had to worry about was when you initially had this on the 60, yeah? And then the 70, now this thing is a...
1: Wait, well, let me show you the difference. I put this on there, and suddenly everybody thought that's where all the light's coming from. And Even what the, do you call this? Just the so lumerod. The lumerod. okay. I invented that name. I anyhow, like it. Like it's it cool, cool to have people call it something that you created. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I want cool. to get that out there for sure. It, it makes me feel kind of cool. It so is. Cool. Anyhow, the lumerod made it possible to do slides. And once we were able to do slides, Well, what about going to higher power? We were locked into this originally. No, not really. These are standard lenses. I can unscrew this and put any standard 10x objective on here, and it'll work. But without light through the bottom, it doesn't work as well. The higher you go up in power with reflected light... The more light you need, the more difficult it becomes, the more shallow your plane of field becomes
0: and that 's just the nature of optics the nature regardless. of optics it's okay. physics okay,
1: so let's say I wanted to turn this into a scope suitable for some kid who's fifteen years old. The Luma Rod did that. the only thing missing was a fine adjustment now, you see how this goes up in the air mm-hmm. that's my fine adjustment. <laughs> The 60 didn't have that. It was straight across. And I had that. I had that in abeyance. I was holding on to that because I knew the Chinese were watching everything I did. They used to come to the shows, the national shows, stand there in front of me with their terrible suits on and, and <laughs> pretend they can't speak English and start taking pictures of my stuff while I'm taking and putting down on the table. And, I, and I'm speaking to them in an international language at that point to leave.
0: Anyhow. And this is like the 80s, 90s?
1: Yeah. They were seeing everything I was doing. They were very interested in me. But but when they copied me, they did it half ass. And I was told that years ago, they will copy you, but they will do a lousy job. Right. So that's really a lesson to learn for these people out there. Do something better than everyone else. Right. That's the key. Do something. Don't worry about the rest of it. Do it better than everyone else, and hopefully you can make a living and price it right. It's very hard for creative people to price things, right? So the Model 70 was this incline. By having this rivet come out with a... A uh, little piece of washer in there. I can then, when there's a slide on here, move this up and down on that, oh. and that steadies it. Because as you go up in power, things become harder and harder to focus. You cannot hand hold a hundred X, no matter what they tell you. If you had a high power telescope.
0: The higher up you go in power, the less you're going to be able to handhold that. And is that just because the, the clear field narrows?
1: No, it's because of the vibration. You cannot limit the vibration. And you're magnifying vibration. All, everything you move, Every movement you make is magnified.
0: Okay, so if you're shaky, you're 100 times shaky at the end of yeah. that tube. Yeah,
1: you can't do it. Not only that, but everything's moving opposite, that throws you off too. Because your immediate instinct is to go this way, and you're fighting that, and then you're fighting this, and you're fighting this. You're fighting everything. So what you need is something for it to rest on that will gently go up and down when you turn it. Now here is what I I like to think is genius. I had a fine adjustment. I can then put a high-power lens on there. I had a guy who wanted to see if his vasectomy was reversed with my microscope. He wanted to borrow it, and I didn't want it back. (laughs) Anyhow.
0: That's a one-way street. That's true, by the <laughs> way.
1: If you could put a high-power lens on that without this fine adjustment, you're going to have a hell of a time not going right through it. So this takes you. In fact, I can change this. So I knew somebody wanted to use a 100X, which is as high as you ever should go, on a microscope is 100 down here. This is multiplied times this. This is multiplied
0: times this. So what, what this, this is is, is four, your, is your end lens and your top lens.
1: Right, and this is the one that creates the image. This one just blows it up. So the less you blow it up, the better. And that's one of the reasons my scope works so well. We're the only ones who have this system. And, and uh, with this, um, even one candle power is enough light for most people to see the image. One candle power. Either through the bottom or from the top. So it's a perfect machine.
0: So it? once you hit the 70, that has this slope in the had collar. That, so right. you this, you've been, haven't had a modification since then.
1: Right. Uh, Well, actually, show me the camera system. I came up with this.
0: Thank you for sticking with us. We hope you're enjoying the episode. If you'd like to make a difference and take your support to the next level, please visit our Patreon and consider becoming a member. Link in the description. Everything counts in large amounts. Thank you again. Now back to the show.
1: Okay, let's say you wanted to take a picture of something. Like Mortimer here, right?
0: Yeah.
1: You ever see Arsic and Old Lace, the old movie? There's so many old movies. I could tell uh, you know, somebody, a teacher asked me one time, what movies would you recommend?
0: And the list was longer than she thought. Oh, my
1: God. I I started with Harvey with James Stewart, where he has a mythical friend who is an eight-foot-tall rabbit. Nobody can see it but him. And you have to accept (laughs) it. You have to accept it, okay, that he sees this rabbit, and you don't see the rabbit.
0: Right. No CGI.
1: Oh, you know, it's funny. You never see the rabbit. You have to imagine the whole thing. My God, imagination. Yeah, right. I have an image in here. Okay, So I want to put it up here.
0: Oh, I hate this thing.
1: What am I doing wrong?
0: There we go. I hate these things. Yes, yeah. too many moving parts in there. I just don't like
1: it. <laughs> I want to position this over the eyepiece. This has been used quite a bit. A little higher. Okay. On here. All the attachments they have nowadays, the thing hangs right on the phone. Right on the, on the lens, right on the phone, hangs right direct. Oh, see, it's, it's turning it off for me because there's too much light in here. I'll show you. It's actually too much light.
0: Wow, <laughs> you going to me.
1: Again?
0: <laughs> yeah, give me that. Thing. So that gives you the microscopic shoot <laughs> it. You get the microscopic. I know image. Like, perfect.
1: Yeah, no, I have I have several patents in photomicroscopy, which you know if it's that on dollar a quarter you can buy a newspaper. But I am an expert on photomicroscopy, and I've been able, if you really know something, you can reduce it. That's another key. Yeah, tell me that. Reduce, reduce, reduce. Uh, the more you know, the more you can reduce. The more you see the unnecessary steps, the more you see the unnecessary overbuild of some design where others, we can, we can do this. It's, it, it gives you such vision. It goes back to what I said, to know something is to love it. Right. You know, And, and I love taking pictures through microscopes, and I, there's a thousand of them in here. So this is called my CIRA system. And this one's faded because it's old, but... I use flame on copper tubing to make patterns on there, and I use oak on the bottom. So what you're dealing with is pure copper and pure oak.
0: Something that will last. It's all
1: about that last thing. It's got to last.
0: See, that almost seems like a really cool idea to kind of transition the gap between the instant gratification of kids wanting to fiddle with their phones all the time. And a study. And actually doing this, yeah. yeah. A study. You, it'd be cool to donate those things in tandem and it deliberately would, do it like that.
1: You know, I, this is my fourth
0: or fifth iteration of a photomicrographic device. Say that
1: three times real fast. <laughs> Anyhow,
0: I'll and, leave it to you.
1: <laughs> I like this one because I could teach a six-year-old kid how to use this.
0: Right. You know, exactly.
1: With a little patience, if I set it up for him, I get it in focus. I put it under there. All I did here is set this above that eyepiece. Exactly. I set it to about here, and well, you know why this this has this on here? Because I was developing a whole other creation. I, I have this. I, I made it looks like a gun. It actually looks like a gun. It has a microscope mounted on top of it. It looks like a rifle. It's so that you could hold the microscope up to the plant. Because somebody oh. asked me, I want to take a picture, but I don't. But the plant's this big. And the plant's alive. And so I created I created it, and this was how I held the phone on it. And so it sat like this. I could see the image here of what the thing is, and I'm holding it like a rifle like this. And I can mount it and, and hold it directly in front of the uh
0: the Because the same principle that you have with yes, this tube yes, can be yeah. in a longer tube. It just yeah. matters what lenses are on the end.
1: Right, and and I can make it any length I want. And you see the beauty of it? I can do whatever I want with this stuff. You, t- you have a special need? You want to see actual malaria in there? That's what I'm working on now. I will make this ramp a lot less inclined.
0: So the adjustments are finer? That's the idea? Right.
1: Logic. Simplest answer is the best. Right. Flawless logic, flawless materials, flawless design. <laughs> and when S- I'm gone, they're going to still be kicking they're still going to be out there,
0: and that's the cool part about it. I was going to say, that's got to be a great feeling.
1: Yeah, legacy is
0: really, really
1: important. I, I really think it is, although I, I'm not sure how much of that. So the whole thing with teaching, they have to do it differently. Uh, they have to integrate different disciplines. They have to be able to have instructors who understand. Uh, you know the problem is? Einstein talks about this. you spoon-fed their prejudices, the teacher's you spoon-fed them. And well, how are you going to think past that if that's all you know?
0: That's definitely a hot-button issue these days.
1: Yeah, and it really—people should be okay with being different. They should understand that nobody normal ever changed anything. It's no. always up to us weird people.
0: <laughs> yeah, right, normal in, normal out.
1: Our, our magnificent misfits is what I, to, what I refer to it.
0: And, and you find that, you know, with the—
1: And I never went back. But I learn, 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 learn. School would have restricted me.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people end up feeling that way.
1: Well, in their attempts to make you well-rounded, they're actually inhibiting you. Because by that time in life, it may be something you really want to study. I don't care what it is. You really want to study this. It could be archaeology. It could be uh, acting. It could, and, and they're making you learn algebra, and which the only subject I didn't do well in, because I kept trying to solve it my way, and that tells you it's the opposite of creativity. It's right. a creative a killer. It's a buzzkill <laughs> to <Right>. creativity. Literally.
0: <laughs> Literally. So you, you see this chance or yes. this is a good jump-off point to reintegrate some type of, um, I don't know what to call it, enthusiasm in the youth that now has just been supplanted fully by a device? The device, the
1: device is a problem because it's a shiny object and it gives you instant gratification and it teaches you instant gratification.
0: And inherently becomes the the curiosity killer almost?
1: Yeah, because the people who really have done well in creativity, oftentimes when you look at their past, at their childhood, they were left alone for very long periods of time. They may have had a sick mother, sick father, or a sibling that was killed. There's always something there. But that alone time, that'll that nothing but this time. Right. So you don't always have to put the kids in solitary confinement. Now to get that. Yeah, it's
0: impossible. They almost don't get impossible. that. This
1: thing prevents that from ever happening to anyone. Right. And it's it's not our friend.
0: Yeah, cuz if you're <laughs> constantly looking out and connected to everything else, you won't find what's in.
1: Well, think of it this way. If you were a machine and getting smarter and smarter and smarter, how would you view us? How would you see us? Stagnant. Waste of time. Waste of energy. How am I going to feed these people? If you're a machine, you're thinking about it. Right. You're calculating what it costs to feed them. How much sewage they need or something. The Germans would have loved computers. The Nazis would have loved computers. They got a taste of it. Their first census was done with the help of IBM's founder. Did you know that? I didn't. It's true. Wilson, I think it was. Same thing as the base uh, the ball. IBM's founder was cooperating with the Nazis in their first um, census to locate
0: who the, what the heritage was. Where are the Jews? Right, Exactly.
1: Yeah, so that's how that, that got started. Well, they had
0: a fixation, and that was one thing I wanted to ask you about because I know that you take pride in having this made in America because that's uncommon because a lot of these optics and this technology was born of that time where those people were the ones making the investments and scrambling for all the mines, as it were, to improve on things like optics and uh, yeah. engines and all kinds of things. So tell me a little bit about exactly how— unique it is to, to have pursued this in America since Europe and all that was sort of the standard. I had to not listen to anyone.
1: You have to not listen to anyone. Because the, anyone giving you advice never did it, most of the time. Never did what you're trying to do. So it doesn't pay to to to... When you're an inventor, you have to have a short memory because you might have gone down the one road with a with a, a prototype and it's not working. You just immediately have to pivot and go to another thing. You try not to be affected by anything other than your work, you know. And I was going against every every conventional wisdom in what I did. Everything would have told me it's impossible. And maybe
0: that's the lesson, you know, that you shouldn't listen to that. What's, the, what's the, uh, the feeling like when you can do that? Because I think that's where a lot of people do get hooked up. That's where the crisis of faith does come in. When you think you've got to pivot, instead of pivot becoming an opportunity, pivot becomes a roadblock.
1: Many people like me do see roadblocks as obstacles to be driven around, driven through, driven under, driven over. It's how you take it. You know, is is it going to kill you? Is it going to kill the idea? I mean, that there's no easy answer to
0: that. Can you remember a time when the obstacle didn't seem like the way? Or were you always given your upbringing and coming through with these books and being having spent time alone and learned to do these things? Was it easy for you to to just enact that? And you didn't really have a time when it was, you know?
1: I always felt like what they that. Inherently, I didn't know why, but I felt that they could have been doing a lot better <laughs> all along. Even as a kid with no education, I somehow had the arrogance to think they could be doing better. And then, see, once I got into real optics, working for Zeiss, it became so obvious that they were ripping kids off everywhere. And then it became a, a mission at that point. Uh, more than, It had nothing to do with money it was a mission that they're hurting kids and I think it's, and once you take that uh, I took it personally I, I think inventors do take it personally they take the challenge of the invention personally they take the failure personally they take the success personally and to be successful with an invention you do literally have to eat and breathe and sleep it. it has to be all you're thinking about it's all encompassing and there's no room for let's Party on the weekend, kind of thinking. Right. Really creative people don't even like to small talk. If they can't talk about something important, they probably won't even talk to you. Right. You know, and I've seen that over and over again. I have trouble small talking with people.
0: Yeah, I do too. (laughs) Just somewhat ironic that I did this because, uh, but I try to have these conversations not be built on the small talk because I can't. I don't do it so well either. you're, you're a good company. But they've got to find their niche. It's about finding a niche. Right. So that's what I was going to say. So, or that's what I was going to ask, rather. So when you're first working with the Zeiss products and these higher-end lenses, it, 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 does this become like immediately, this, this strikes you immediately? Holy smokes, there's a, there's a hole in this I've got to take care of.
1: I had a really good guitar teacher for a few weeks while I could afford him. He was a 95-year-old vegetarian named Edgar Street. That
0: sounds like a movie right there.
1: Uh, he, he used to interpret Picasso's paintings with his mandolin. He told me I had the best right hand he'd ever seen. That's amazing. As a finger picker, because I, I I freeform finger pick. It's it's. I don't even know where I'm going half the time,
0: yeah, and for those that don't know, finger picking is a skill unto itself, lots of people only use maybe their thumb and their first two fingers. If you can sneak that ring in there, you really got somewhere. <laughs> but if you can use all four yeah. fingers in your thumb you're you're definitely I can, uh, I can use the pinky that's that's when you know you hit that level
1: I know, but you know you do it for your own sake, right, you learn these things for your own sake and hope that somehow it works out other than you. There is a there is a factor to the whole thing, that's uh, and here's a matter of faith, not religion. It's a matter of faith that somebody up there was helping me. And if you study the books that I've been studying, you realize that in the between, the, the Tibetans call the between between lives mm. when you have died and you go somewhere. Mm. A lot goes on in that place. And these people and they what you learn by reading the books is that here on earth, this is loneliness, not in the between. And you gotta hope that number one, they want you to succeed. Your spirit group, as they call in these books, these people who may tap you on the shoulder and give you a little whisper. And sometimes they're not even people you know. Their spirits come down here just to help people. Do you ever realize how many times people say, <clears throat> it's a miracle he survived. It's a miracle he survived. Right. Every single time they say that, something did happen to save that person. Right. And, in, and what I've read recently, because I'm reading so much, is that sometimes spirits come down here just to help us out. And, you know, they see a kid drowning, and they keep that kid from drowning. And everybody says it's a miracle he survived. And that person didn't... That, that, that spirit did not even know that kid. It was just doing because it, it was the right thing to do. You know? And I think as long as you're doing the right thing, and, and right now, like if somebody came to me and needed a sewing machine, and they really needed it, I would give it to them. If they really needed a, a, a,
0: a typewriter,
1: and I've done this over and over again, I'd give it to them. If it changes their life, I'd give it to them.
0: Why? How much of that distance from even minute altruistic states of mind do you think have impacted the kids that you see?
1: You say a little prayer for each one that goes off. In your mind, you send positive energy to it. Right. And you're hoping, and from what I've read, there is such a thing. Quantum mechanics is going to teach us that most of what we know is BS. Right. And that we have to rethink everything. A baseball hitter has his favorite bat. He may have his favorite glove. Musician has his favorite guitar. He thinks it talks to him. He thinks it's holy. You know that guitar I brought in here? It talks to me. I saved his ass. I got it off the ground. I made it live again. I make it sing. And that's our deal.
0: You're preaching to the choir there. <laughs> I know that feeling.
1: Right. So what I'm saying is, so much more we don't know. We don't know anything. Right. We think we're smart. We give explanations. We know exactly how many stars are in the universe. Really? Yeah. Really? We know that, you know, that this holy figure stopped here and put his hand there two thousand years ago. We know that, really? You really know that? No, truth is truth. You can't mess with truth. That's why I like it. Okay. And the truth is, we're getting nowhere with the microscopes we have now. Nowhere. They're all coming from China. They're all designed to break. They don't care anyhow. They replace them in two years to another piece of crap, and it just keeps going, going, going. And think there's no effect from that? We've had the greatest minds in this country. I'm a throwback and i like to see some more throwbacks come along with me give this to them when they're young and then you're doing something make Project Magiscope there are a lot worse things you
0: could give your money to like vacationing Oh yeah. Well, we will definitely make sure we got golf. Yeah, <laughs> well, we will make sure that we have everything linked to do that for sure. Because I think that's a great thing, and I, I would personally like to get. I really appreciate
1: with that. you guys having me in here. No,
0: I'm I'm very. This has happy been a educate. blast. Yeah, I think this is so cool. So we have. How much do you think the the exponential degradation of our our youth's understanding of science and the world around it is? Because we just have none of these experiences anymore. No one can just look under it and see the wasp's head as plain as day, like right. we used to. I mean, I'm a little bit of a throwback too, and I grew up in a small town, so I still had this version, and they still tried to. It
1: wasn't that bad?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, well, it was the '80s. It was the uh, no. They were better then, I swear. And uh, but no, we had the little plastic jobs with the with the mirror, like everyone's. And used you could to. only
1: use it at the low power, couldn't you?
0: Yeah. So, you know, at least they they got us started on that in in elementary school, but I, I do know from raising my own kids that that has changed quite a bit, and especially here compared to where I'm from, I know every school district is different.
1: They've never given them the right tool at the right time. They've never done that. Any design you ever see back in history, it's never been this easy. It's never been this tough. It's never been... Do not need you do not need to supervise them. That's such a key. Teachers can't take the time. It doesn't get uh, taught. What is theoretically what they want to do and what they actually wind up doing are miles apart. What do you think attributes to that? Bad equipment, bad training, people who don't want to be there, teachers who are gym teachers, everything, kids who don't want to be there, kids who started thinking about girls, girls who started thinking about boys. You you (laughs) got to start that young. Young. Right. It, it's all wrong. And they don't teach them any, if I would have, I would have black, white, movie classes for these kids. You know, I'd let them read books that maybe they're not, all of a sudden, not allowed to read. That's a killer. You're don't right. they getting started.
0: No, that's a whole other animal.
1: <laughs> hey, I came from people who had their books burned. Yeah. Okay.
0: And there's a lot of people that feel like we're going through the, the newly wrapped version and it's are. weird that you see yeah. some of these things crop up symptomatically through loss of science education, loss of symptom math education that's what I'm saying.
1: It's a symptom of, of disassociating, uh, disassociating yourself from actual reality of life. instead you you substitute dogma for just about everything dogma. Yeah. You
0: know? And when the microscope breaks right away that's easy to do.
1: Yes. And then you say, well, uh, you get what you pay for. That's another thing in my list of things that piss me off. You get
0: what you pay for. I love the list of things that piss you off. And we're absolutely (laughs) going to have you back to do just, maybe we should just do an hour straight going through those because that's good.
1: So Here's gym teachers as science teachers.
0: That's so funny that you say that. because I mean, I, I, can't, I can't get too specific, cause it'll, but I literally know someone who was a coach their entire career, and when there was a void in the science teacher role, they just got plugged right in there. They couldn't possibly do it worse
1: than they're doing it now. In a larger sense, and I, maybe I should have left you with this, it's got to be taught at home. Before they even go to school, give them a microscope. You got a computer for them. You got this. You got that. All that crap. Give them a magoscope when they're five years old because they couldn't use any other microscope at five years old. I have our children started at three and a half, and they can use this at five. What are they, the name of it? Primrose School District, giant conglomerate of private schools. They all have them. They're using them in in, in, in kindergarten. Get them young. Get it Don't count on the school. I think we can pretty much rule that out. can't right? Yeah.
0: No matter what side of the fence you're <laughs> Don't on. Don't count think on the school. Everybody's got that kind of inkling. <laughs> well, that,
1: you know what's happening? Dogma is taking
0: over the education,
1: and we can't have that.
0: Well, we have we've got assumptions supplanting reasoning.
1: We have to. We have to put aside any assumptions. You know about religion and about evolution and. and uh, a scientist doesn't make assumptions. A scientist looks at evidence and makes conclusions from the preponderance of evidence.
0: I love it. Right? I love it. Well, Dennis, I really appreciate you coming down. This has been great. We are definitely going to do a round two. There's too much stuff you got going on I'm interested in. Thank you. Thank you so much, sir. God bless you. Thank you. you well, whoever
1: well. you include to.
0: Uh, all <laughs> of the above.